This is the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, November 1st. Corey, high school volleyball playoffs continue. You were down in Melrose yesterday. How'd that uh, How'd that go for you? Yeah, I had six double-A playoff volleyball last night. Staples Motley Cardinals at the Melrose area Dutchman. Uh, uh, fun. That's uh, an, on the gym tour for me anyway in this, uh, in this gig. That's another gym I can cross off the list. I had never been to that Mel- Melrose school before, and that gym was cool to be there. Uh, one year ago, these two teams played each other. Uh-huh. And it was an 8-9 matchup one year ago. Uh, the Dutchman, the 8 seed, the Cardinals, the 9 seed. And uh, Melrose area won that one. Both teams improved from last year to this year. It was a 4-5 matchup this season. And once again, the Dutchman prevailed uh, as that 4 seed. They, uh, they won three sets to none. And it was one of those matches, CJ, that could best be described as the Cardinals just could never grasp onto that little bit of momentum that would go their way. The Dutchman played well. But, for example, there was uh, a particular play in set number two where uh, Melrose had to send a free ball across. Uh-huh. And um, it was just a free ball. It was just floating there. And the Cardinals, after having served the ball and earning the previous point, uh, all they needed to do was get one good pass to set up their offense, and it just kind of ricocheted off their arms, and um, uh, they had to just like standing drive it over from the back row and winged it wide of the baseline. It was just kind of there for them, and they, they couldn't take advantage. There were some other things, obviously, uh, Melrose did to kind of snuff out any of those flames that would would pop up from the Cardinals from from time to time, but Melrose just kind of controlled it, much like I had in that matchup the other night. Remember, we talked about Henning and New York Mills, mm-hmm. where the Eagles just would not let the Hornets come up for air. It was that same thing in this one. The Dutchman just refused to let the Cardinals ever catch their breath and feel like there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity in the later parts of set number two for the Cardinals to um, take charge and run away with it and win it. Mm-hmm. And and it just it, it just that that ball that that little mini snowball couldn't start rolling downhill to turn into a big old snowball and avalanche and the Dutchman ended up winning it and you could kind of feel you could kind of feel the life get sucked out of it a little bit when that was all whatever was left in that balloon that that balloon maybe got popped um, they fought hard did the Cardinals they they I to their credit. They didn't give up at all, but you could just kind of feel it and see it at, at, uh, in these moments of just like, man, it just doesn't matter what we do. We cannot get over the hump, and that's just kind of the story of that match. Yeah, and uh, just kind of how uh, just kind of how the ball bounces sometimes. Yep. Uh, moving on to my game last night over on the Superstation, I had 5A playoff volleyball between the Verndale Pirates. They played in Clarissa against the Browerville Eagle Valley Tigers. The Pirates were the three seed, and the Tigers were the two seed in the subsection. And you just knew it was going to be a good game uh, based on how both teams were playing. They were feeling like each of them were rolling. Uh, These two teams had met uh, previously twice throughout the regular season. And I talked with Coach Mary Ursfeld of Browerfield Eagle Valley, and she said, you know, it's 
it's cliche, but it's true. It's tough to beat a team three times in a row, and we have to try and do that today. And to Coach Dan Johnson for Verndale before the game said, we've seen a lot of them. We just know what to expect. And he said, if we just go out there and execute and do the things we need to do, we're going to be okay. Uh, and they ended up winning three sets to two after Verndale jumped ahead, winning the first two sets. Corey, Verndale was behind 23-18, in set number one, they stormed all the way back to win 25-23. And you just feel from that point on that Verndale, like with each point in the match, it didn't even matter that they lost sets three and four. Uh, but Verndale got up two sets to none, and they just kind of had the momentum all night long. No credit to Bravo Legal Valley. They fought hard. They sent it to a fifth set, and they got to where they needed to get to. But there was just a few times in that first set it took Browerville a little... Like, they would get the hits, they just couldn't get them to land, they would just sail out of the back of the floor, they just go out of bounds, and, and it's, you know, it's, to make another sport comparison, it's like basketball, like, you get the shots you want, you get everything you need to get, but they just won't go down, and that's kind of what it felt like for Browerville Eagle Valley, and uh, Verndale was able to take advantage, and uh, it didn't take her right away, it took her a little bit, but by the time he got halfway through that second set, Katie Blaha really started to get into rhythm for Verndale. She ended up with over 20 kills when it was all said and done. I think 23 was the final number I had her at. Uh, Verndale, once they got going, they just started force-feeding it to Blaha. They got uh, they got the things that they needed to get done. They also had some other girls come up really big uh, and have some good games as well. Uh, and this is probably the adage of, I think, when it's your night, it's your night. Verndale had a ball. Uh, I believe it was the Schnettler uh, for uh, for Browerville Eagle Valley. She sent it flying across the net. And I can't remember which three girls and in which three order for Verndale, but it literally went tic-tac-toe, like reactionary, off one shoulder. And then the other girls reacting off another shoulder. And like, they're not even trying to do anything with it. They just see the ball coming at them and turn their body. And it goes, Corey, on the back row, just kind of one on the far side, into the middle row, another one uh, off the other side. And so basically just bounced off three girls and went over into Browerville's side for a point. And they didn't do anything. Like, you could see all Verndale go in that huddle and be like, what just happened? We got a point, and that's just how you know things are going well for them. So congratulations to Broadville Eagle Valley on a good season. Verndale will advance. They're going to play the Nevis Tigers on Thursday, 745 first serve from Crosby Ironton High School in the subsection final. And you know what? Let's take a moment to mention it because that match does make our broadcast schedule for Thursday, uh -huh. uh, which is tomorrow, by the way, in case you didn't know. Uh, it's a busy, busy day. Let's just run through this. Um, on KWAD tomorrow, we'll have a double-A volleyball. L listen to all these initials. It's WDC versus EGF at DGF. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wadena Deer Creek versus East Grand Forks at Dilworth Glendon Felton. 545 pregame, 6 o'clock first serve, again on KWAD. On the Superstation tomorrow, we're very busy. It starts with Section 4 nine-man football championship from the Fargo Dome, Otter Tail Central versus Border West, an 11-10 pregame with an 11-30 kickoff. Then that night on the Superstation, 5A Volleyball, Verndale versus Nevis from Crosby-Ironton. That's the late game in Crosby, 7-30 pregame, 7-45 first serve. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we talk about that first week of high school playoffs being busy, and it is because we don't really know where we're going. We don't really know what's happening. But that second week can be underratedly just as busy 
too, even though there's less teams that we are following. Uh, I love this week infinitely more than last week. <laughs> I love this week because now there's like real stakes too. Right. You know what I mean? This is like it's neutral sites. You get a couple wins and you're going to a state tournament kind of excitement this week. I I really uh I really love it. We've got a lot more to discuss here, but very quickly, CJ, I just want to mention that KWAD is celebrating 75 years of broadcasting in central Minnesota. We're having an open house on Wednesday, November 8th at the Wadena Depot from 11 to 1, and we want to celebrate 75 years with you. It's cake and coffee. It's going to be pretty informal. It's going to be light. It's going to be fun. Former employees are going to be there to help celebrate with us, and and uh, we want to invite you out Wednesday, November 8th, 11 to 1 for that 75th anniversary, 75th birthday, whatever it is, however you want to call it. We're celebrating 75 years on the area. Hope you come out and join us. So, Corey, big news in the Twins world. Dick Bramer, legendary Twins play-by-play broadcaster, Staples High School alum, yep. uh, has announced that after 40 years he is stepping aside and he will join the Twins in a front office advisory role, uh, which basically means he gets an office and a key card to Target Field, uh, and he'll get to also do the same thing in Fort Myers. They're going to pay him to go away. They're gonna, <laughs> it's, uh, and that sounds harsh, but, I mean, you understand what I mean. 40 years of broadcasting. Bramer, of course, did it for CCO, for Spectrum, for Victory Sports, Fox Sports, Bally Sports, whatever local affiliate was doing the Twins. Uh, My 29, whatever it was, Dick Bramer was a part of it, a huge, uh, important part of Twins baseball. Corey, I probably don't get into broadcasting if it's not for getting to watch Dick Bramer every single night watching the Twins games and go, yeah, I I think I could do that. Uh, And just uh, to see that come to an end, I think my childhood's over. Well, for you, it's definitely, you've never known anybody else, right? He started broadcasting Twins in 1983. I've never known anyone else. Uh-huh. Dick Bramer has been the only television voice of the uh, of the Minnesota Twins in my in my lifetime. And really, if you if you move that over to radio, I've still essentially only known four voices with Herb Carneal and John Gordon and Corey Provis. It's kind of ridiculous. There there hasn't been a lot of turnover in those spots in my lifetime, and that's not always entirely true with the obvious one exception of, you know, that one guy with the Dodgers who's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but Dick Bramer is awesome. He's like like a pro's pro kind of a kind of thing. He's he's quintessential Minnesota, mm-hmm. right? He he loved to um uh, he loved to let everyone know that he knew where you were from, mm-hmm. and that's important. Like, think about in in radio. That's a thing we do all the time, right? That's important. What's the now? Is there a difference between this morning twenty two degrees in one town and twenty four degrees in another town? Is there really a difference? No, but we want you to know that that we know you're out there. Right. And Dick Bramer was excellent at that. That was a really fun little quirk. You hear in basketball sometimes broadcast and from and from Red Wing, he was so far out, you know what I mean? In in a basketball game, they shoot him mm-hmm. from forever away and that one he made clear from Bloomington. Dick Bramer was the best at that. Right. That was he was the best at that and, and and the reason he was so good at it was because he was from here. Well, hashtag one of us, right? Right. He was great. He and, was great. And because he's from here, he loved Twins baseball and the history of the Twins and getting to be a part of that. And now he's synonymous with 
Twins baseball, and uh, it's just fun. And even though he lost this fastball a little bit towards the end, he still was a good broadcaster, and he still loved the team. He was not phoning it in like some broadcasters do when they get to that point in his career. He still was doing everything he was doing and still cared about the game. There's a little bit, and let's just end on this. We don't need to dive too much into it. Uh, According to Dan Hayes of The Athletic, he does report that it was the Twins' decision, basically, uh, to as because, again, the Twins are not on Bally anymore. They're going to be on a new service next year. We don't know what that is yet, but they basically said that they're going to go in a new direction with that. So, would is Bramer hasn't commented on it because he's a pro, so he's not gonna he's not gonna muddy the waters here. But uh, it sounds more like the Twins were ready to move on more than Bramer was ready to move on, and I have a slight issue with that because you really got to let Bramer just with forty years of Twins baseball and everything that we just talked about. I think he deserved the right to at least get a send off because by the way it sounds, it makes it sound like Bramer had no idea it was his last year. Yeah, that part is. Uh, I think you put in that much time. You earn the right to go out on your own terms. It's your responsibility to go out at the right moment. You you have you have to own that responsibility, but you've earned that right to uh, mm-hmm. to do that. And yeah, I, I mean, maybe getting the special assistant job is the opportunity for him to be recognized in a way like that's the the, the compromise here. But uh, and who knows? He may have never been the guy to announce like this is going to be my last he, season. That also is why he, he might have just ridden off into the sunset anyway, like this. But um, uh, if it in fact is the case that it, this wasn't his decision, that bums me out. That does bum me out. But it's also just kind of how TV works in a way too. And what happened to the Timberwolves guy just a year ago? And it happened to uh, Burt Blylevin just two years ago. Right. So. Exactly. Uh, Bramer more beloved than both those two, but still, like, it's just TV can be a little slimy sometimes. All right, last thing uh, we need to talk about, Corey, uh, the Josh Dobbs era is here. What do you think? All right, I have spent a lot of time thinking about this yesterday, and I want to be very clear on my opinions of this. I, When you and I were texting about this yesterday, our reaction to it, both of us, we said, meh. Okay, yeah. Meh. Um, I spent a little extra time thinking about it yesterday, Uh huh. and what I decided is... I don't think the Vikings, considering what was realistically available to them, could have done better. Right. I think Josh Dobbs is the absolute best possible option for them in this scenario. Yeah, exactly. It, they It's about as far as they could stretch without overstretching themselves. They basically got him for nothing. It's a pick swap. They get a seventh-round pick. The Vikings gave up a sixth-round pick. Okay. And anybody who's better than Josh Dobbs is unavailable. Right. So this is important. They got the best possible option. Listen to this. Uh, ESPN Fantasy uh, rankings. Mm-hmm. He's 12th. He can do some stuff. He is 19th in the league in QBR. Right. Think about the 18 quarterbacks who were better than him in that instance. Like Joe Burrow right now is 18th in QBR. Right. Josh Dobbs is right there. He is he's 21st in passing yards. He's 25th in rating. He's 24th in completion percentage. He's 30th in yards per completion. He's 21st in yards per game. Those are not overwhelmingly great numbers, but those numbers indicate that of all of the possible options that were available to the Vikings, they got the very best option. Right. That is those numbers are are mid to just below middle of the pack. He's right in the mix. Now, does that make him a difference maker? 
No, it does not. But does that mean you can maybe keep all four wheels on the ground while you try to push through this season? That's absolutely what this means. Jaron Hall's going to start on Sunday. This guy's a bona fide Dobbs rocket scientist. He's legitimately brilliant. And he's going to know the offense in two weeks. He's going to start in two weeks. Wait, he's a rocket scientist? Literally. Literally? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's brilliant. He's a brilliant, brilliant human. All right. He'll pick up the playbook pretty quick. Very quickly. Hall starting this Sunday. It's been announced. Dobbs will start in two weeks. All right. There we go. There we go. All right. Who's ready for Vikings football? Let's go. <laughs> I got to go. All right. Well, there you, there you have it. So the Vikings have a rocket scientist, so we're going to the moon is all I'm hearing. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, like Corey said, I don't have too many complaints. I would not have wanted the Vikings to go get Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston or whoever because you're going to have to give up way more than they're worth. The Vikings aren't going to give up a second or third round pick to go get Case Keenum from the Texans. But a six round pick from the Cardinals, basically nothing. Like the Vikings got him for nothing. And at the very worst, he's a competent backup because Nick Mullins is hurt, and if something happened to Jaron Hall, you would have been playing Sean Mannion. And as we learned a couple years ago, never let Sean Mannion come on an NFL football field. So, uh, you know, it it just gives them a little bit more depth. It gives them a little bit more uh, to work with, and we'll just see what happens. Like Corey said, it just keeps the wheels on the bus. You know what I mean? Uh, The Vikings had the opportunity to let this bus fall apart and set on fire and explode. And right now it at least can roll forward, whether it stalls out. I can't guarantee you that, but the Vikings at least have a guy who can get the football. Kevin O'Connell's a good head coach. Kevin O'Connell's a good offensive, not just play caller, but play designer. You watch some plays and credit to Kirk Cousins because he makes some great throws, but Kevin O'Connell would scheme those guys open. Justin Jefferson would be open, not because he ran a great route, but just be, I mean, he's a good route runner, but the play, the route he would take would just get him wide open because the play was set up to do that. And if Josh Dobbs can do that, if Jaron Hall can do that and just make the wide open throws, the Vikings offense can do just enough. And if they can play turnover-free football, the Vikings' next few opponents at Atlanta, hosting New Orleans, at Denver, Chicago Bears at home, bye week, at the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, you can win you have a chance to win every single one of those football games as long as your quarterback can keep the wheels on the bus. So let's see what happens. Uh, I'm getting way too excited over this. Let's just hit the horn and get out of here. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Wednesday, November 1st.